Hello Guardians and welcome to the Destiny Show podcast. Tonight we are live for an amazing episode. We welcome Amber Alexander, who is a talented video game industry veteran with 12 plus years of experience in the video games industry. She's no stranger to leading large teams of talented engineers, designers, and artists to help create the games that we love to play. She is the senior producer at Bungie, and she has an incredible way to predict when things would get done to bring us the games that we love to play on time and in our hands. Amber is also a proud member of the Women at Bungie initiative, and we're excited and honored to have her join us tonight and to share her incredible destiny journey. Amber, thank you so much for being on with us. For having me. Of course. And we are going to invite you on for our discussion with the Guardians. So I hope you're ready. Absolutely. All right. So the first question we have for you is how did you get started in the video games industry? And what are some important lessons that you learned along the way? Yeah. So for me, this is actually kind of an interesting story. Because after college, I was in the army uh, stationed in South Korea. I had no idea what I wanted to do as a career until some friends in my platoon took me to an internet cafe and introduced me to EverQuest. And that's really what hooked me into games. And I knew I wanted to work in video games. So I got my foot through the door as a customer service. At the time, it was called a game master. And at that company, I had applied to be an intern visual designer. And so I spent most of my career uh, in games working on the uh, UI and UX design side. I worked at uh, on the games. Uh, there was a mobile game called Choices, Stories You Play. And I worked on MMORPG Rift. At the time, Rift was changing to be a free-to-play game, and that had required a whole lot of UI rework uh, from the UI team, but from other teams as well. And so I had volunteered to start like tracking that work. You know, we needed to figure out like, were we going to ship on time? What were the risks? And so I had talked to my manager and asked if I could do the project management side of that work. He said yes, and I did well enough that when a producer position opened up, it was offered to me. So my path into production, like it's, it was never the end goal. That, that I didn't even know that that was an option or what I wanted to do from the beginning. So for me, the, like one of the lessons learned along the way is that often your career isn't a straight path and it's okay to shift if you find that um, as you're going, you love certain aspects more, you know, go for those. Cause when, when those opportunities come up and you take them, you'll be a lot happier. That's really awesome. And it, it's so crazy how you start with one path and it could bring you on a whole different path. Mm -hmm. So amazing. And how does the Women at Bungie initiative impact you as a woman working in the video games industry? And how has Bungie enabled your success and growth as a producer? Yeah. So 
the women at Bungie um, uh, Inclusion Club has, it's provided me with a community of people who are passionate about the same goal. Uh, women are often, very often the minority uh, working in the game industry. And so uh, with the Women at Bungie Inclusion Club, our mission is to uplift the voices of women. We provide an empowering space to share our experiences, helps build a network, gives support. And uh, we want to be a leader in the games industry in working towards equality while uh, also supporting girls and women to pursue careers in the industry. And so to support that mission, our members take on passion projects. And so like, for example, one of the uh, passion projects that I'm working on within that group is to create a uh, mentoring system so that people within our club can mentor other members. Bungie has a very talented group of producers to learn from. Um, there was, there's many reasons why I wanted to work at Bungie, but most of my career has been working at some smaller studios. And I was really excited um, to work. One of the reasons I was really excited to work at Bungie is it's a bigger studio, so it has a lot more producers and a lot more people to learn from. And I found that Bungie has an environment where they're always trying to improve how things are done. Like we don't like to get stuck in the attitude of this is how things have always been done. You know, um, uh, the, on top of that, I've also had some really great managers and mentors, um, people that are encouraging and recognize my work. So I've always felt supported. That's really awesome. And that's the one thing that I really love about Bungie and their efforts to always support so many important causes, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be supporting children who are in need or any, any nat natural disaster that, that goes on and supporting the women at Bungie. And that's such an important, important initiative, especially today. So it's so, so great that you all are doing so many amazing things with that. I feel like that's also really reflected in the people we hire because that is such an important part of our culture at the company. That's really awesome. And Amber, what do you do when you're not leading teams at Bungie who create awesome games that we love to play? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, a lot of my free time is spent playing video games. <laughs> so Okay. So um, you're a gamer. Okay. I am definitely Nothing okay. wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, I play a lot of uh, like smaller studio games, indie games. Um, like some of my favorites right now are The Isle. Uh, it's an open world uh, PvP dinosaur game. Um, Phasmophobia. Cool. It, it is. It, it's it's one of the, there's there's several games I play where uh, like like in The Isle you um, you are born to another player uh, as an egg and then you grow up over time. Uh, in this case, your dinosaur groups up. Um, That's a really cool, um, you know, <laughs> theme and idea for a game. Um, and another one I'm currently playing, Phasmophobia. It's like a creepy ghost hunting game. Um, and I recently started playing Mini Motorways, 
Um, I don't know if any of you guys have, have uh, played any of those. I've heard of Phasmophobia. That's like a horror style game. Kind of like. Sort a, of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you up to four people go into a haunted house with a bunch of like ghost hunting equipment and try and figure out what type of ghost while not getting killed. Um, oh, so those ghost it, hunter like story like uh, like shows kind of like. Yes, you basically, yes you, you, yeah. exactly. You get to do that. That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah i will be completely honest uh destiny has taken over my life so much <laughs> that i don't have time to play any other games i do try to play a little bit of beat saber here and there to <laughs> maintain my workout routine uh, so i do enjoy that and i have also been uh starting no man's sky because i have that in vr and i think it's such a immersive world and virtual reality and it's such a fun experience to to play that but in between destiny of course because destiny does of course consume yeah. most of my time now are you a destiny player as well do you do you play destiny as well i am, I am yes okay yeah, i cool. have a hunter your hunter main yes. okay hunters. i love that i am a hunter main hunters all day <laughs> yep same very very cool and uh on that note uh what what was your proudest moment uh, and your proudest achievement at Bungie? Yeah, so uh, one of my proudest achievements was helping to stand up the Women at Bungie Inclusion Club. So in the beginning, there were about seven of us um, trying to start this club. And as a group, you know, uh, to get it, to get this club stood up, we needed to create like a mission statement, figure out what our goals were going to be, um, determine how we're going to handle our financial budget. What was our name going to be? Uh, we needed a logo, how our meetings were going to function. You know, we had to set up documentation for the group. Uh, we needed to do internal recruiting. So it took a few months, but we were able to get, we went from something that was just an idea to like a fully functioning group that now is able to make real world impact. So I do, there are things that I've worked on in destiny that I'm really proud of, but this is sort of trumps that in a way that uh, I'm just really proud of this one. Okay. So you were responsible for women at Bungie. Not me personally. There's a group of us, so I, I can't take all the credit. You were part of that group. I was part of it. Part of the group. Yes. That's so amazing. And if you don't mind me asking, how many individuals were part of a group like that? Yes. So at at the start, uh, we were about seven. I think right now we're I think approaching forty, but we're still growing and a relatively new group. Uh, yeah. But I'm I'm really excited about what what we're going to be able to do in the future. That's really cool, and we're we're excited to to hear more about it and to uh, perhaps have a way to support the initiative too. I know that uh, Bungie always finds amazing ways for us to be able to support amazing efforts like this as well. Yeah. So recently, we did we um, helped create and launch that. Um, the International Women's Day pin. So the the like that was very much a group effort within the company, but Women at Bungie was a part of that. 
Very cool. And is is the pin available on the Bungie store currently? I believe so. I'll double check, but I'm pretty sure it is. Awesome. Well, we will make sure to leave a link in the show notes to uh, let our listeners know where they can support the effort and pick up the women's pen. And I will also make sure to pick that up after our episode. So uh, definitely a great thing to support. Fantastic. Yeah, I I bought two. I got one for me and then I got one for my dad whenever I'm able to fly to California and visit him. (laughs) That's so sweet. And Amber, what were some challenges that you faced in your journey um, at Bungie? And how did you overcome those challenges? Yeah, so specifically with regards to like setting up that group or that uh, the inclusion club, I think one of the most challenging aspects is learning how to make decisions as a group, as, as equals. So what I mean is, like, within most of uh, our normal day-to-day work, we have a work hierarchy. And so, you know, leaders will provide goals, and then we figure out how to accomplish the goals. But it's different with the inclusion clubs, where as a lead of the group, it's not my job to say what we work on or how, you know, my job is more to facilitate and make sure has everyone has the resources and the support they need. Yeah, I know that makes total sense. And now, so what does a producer actually do? And uh, what's your day-to-day life like at Bungie? Yeah, um, I get this question a lot because there's a lot of people who don't know what a producer actually does. And so... There's an analogy I kind of like to use. Um, It's as if you're going on a road trip. Let's say as a group, um, us three are going on a road trip. The producers aren't the ones who decide where to go or what we do at each stop. That's the game designers and artists do that. Um, Instead, the producers handle the logistics of how we get there. You know, we ensure... Um, we get there on time. If we have a problem during the trip, then the producers uh, bring together the right people to solve it. You know, we help keep everyone informed. Uh, we work on improving the process so that our next road trip is even smoother. Uh, do, do you guys have someone like that within, you know, recording sessions or is it purely just you two and you guys get to do all the work of <laughs> setting up this podcast? Uh, we actually started right around the time when Bungie and Activision split up. So it was a very interesting and unique time to start a podcast. But we've been wanting to podcast for the longest time. So it was something that you know we were very much motivated to do. And then I had to figure out a lot in terms of how to get it all set up and then to build out a process. Um, and in many ways, I'm still learning. But, uh, you know, you're always finding optimal ways to do things and uh, identifying uh, ways to optimize the process. Yeah. Pretty much what a producer does. (laughs) So, hey, maybe I am a producer in disguise, but I just never knew that. And there we go. Yeah, because producers really own the process of how things done and try and make it better. Yeah, and so so a lot of my day uh like day-to-day work will consist of uh meeting with my teams um where 
like in the morning, we'll have a meeting where we go in the, go around the room and kind of talk about uh, what every, each person's working on. Uh, in the afternoon, there's usually a play test to check out whatever's the latest feature that we're working on. Um, and then we also have like a backlog of tasks that we regularly update those tasks based on how the play test went. Um, my day is pretty varied. So I like I have a regular meeting with my manager, talk about career growth. Um, we have, if we have, we have multiple teams throughout the studio. So if uh, one of the smaller teams is ahead of schedule, but another group is behind, then we might have a meeting to kind of negotiate um, a trade-off of resources. Um, so I do, I, as a producer, like I really love that there's a lot of variety and problem solving throughout my day because that makes it really fun. Yeah, that was a pretty cool analogy that you had via, to make sure that the trip goes smooth. You know, mm -hmm. it's like it, it makes sense. Like you got to have kind of those pieces in place to, you know, make sure the ship runs properly and everything. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, is there ever a time when things get a little bit more stressful? I would imagine probably before the launch of the new season or, you know, during certain times of the year. Or like a big expansion get... or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, oh, yeah. absolutely. So I would say throughout when we're working on a season, there are certain checkpoints that we have um, to like play test the current state of the, of, of the season and see how it's looking. And then we get a lot of feedback and then we make some changes based on that feedback. And usually working up to those really big play tests, um, there's a lot of work that goes into it and a lot of coordination. Um, and so those are um, one of the times when, uh, there's a bit more, I guess, stress on, on as producers. Um, another time is when, uh, regularly throughout the year, we need to plan out like the next quarter of work of what are we going to do? Um, do we have enough time? Um, and really figuring out what our, I'm getting kind of in the technical weeds here, but like, what does our backlog actually look like? So for example, if you want, um, if we're going to build a feature, um, how do you actually break it down into work? Um, be like, okay, if we need, we need to use this combatant and we're going to need audio and we're going to need VFX and we're going to need world art. And then we need to create those stories um, or what we call user stories in our backlog. We need to have them costed and figure out if we have enough resources to do it. If not, what do we change? Um, so there's a lot of coordinating um, that goes into figuring out how to build something. Yeah, I remember watching all those Vidocs that you guys had, like when you guys did uh, things on the sound of Destiny and just mm -hmm. all the things that go into the coding, you know, just like... It's it's crazy how much, you know, that goes into it, you know, and it's like when you guys actually break it down and we see it like, you know, for what it is, it's like, wow, it's incredible. Yeah, each activity is months and months of work. It's it's the there's, yeah, there's a lot that goes into uh, some of the smallest details sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that I've gained uh, a huge appreciation for the work that everyone at Bungie does because, y you know, after reading all the weekly updates and watching the Vidocs, you, you get a small glimpse into how much effort it really takes to 
put something like Destiny together. And I think that on the outside looking in, you don't always realize how much goes into it. And, you know, we can play the game and we can, you know, enjoy it, but you don't realize that even for one mission that we play through, it, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy from a lot of different teams to put everything all together. And I, I think Bungie does it best, you know, in terms of so many things from the shooting mechanics to the music, to the art design. These are all things that I have loved so much about Bungie and Destiny. Well, that's, that's great to hear. There's, there's a lot of people working on the game who love to hear that kind of feedback because they, they pour their heart and soul into this game as well. They're, they're all gamers and they love it too. And, and is it like, is it weird sometimes playing the game that you had worked on because you get a chance to kind of see things on the backside? Is it ever, does it ever feel weird playing the content or do you get the same perspective that we do as players? Kind of get a different perspective, but I'd say at least for me, it doesn't feel weird playing the game, but that's because I've been working in games for so long that um, I think it, I, I'd say I felt that way more when I was like new um, in working in games. Um, but now it's just normal. <laughs> now there's times when I play games uh, just as a regular player that uh, there's times and be like, oh, this this working on this feature would have been really fun or this is how it changed something um, or I, I bet this is how they built it. Um, so there's times where I'll be thinking about it differently. Well, there's like just, ideas going through your head while you're playing it. Like, hmm, uh, absolutely. Can, yeah, that's really cool. Yep. <clears throat> now, are, are you a, are you a PVE main or a PVP main? Uh, PVE. OK, I very much really love uh, the lore and the narrative of the of destiny within the world ah same same and you know this past season your team crushed it oh man i really loved the narrative uh, in season 14 so many great stories and we're not done yet so i'm I'm so so excited to see how everything comes to a culmination and it's it's so great to experience the lore especially now when i think that the teams have really doubled down on the lore in destiny Absolutely. And I think uh, for the for anyone who's not aware, I think you're really going to want to tune in to the uh, Destiny 2 showcase on August 24th um, at I believe it's at 9 a.m. Pacific. You'll you'll be getting some really good info there. Uh, Amber, don't do this to me. No, no, I'm not going to be able to sleep because I'm going to be so <laughs> excited for like almost a month. <laughs> awesome. awesome. I, I can't wait. I mean, those, those, when those, uh, when we have these type of, uh, showcases, like I love to go and watch the, the streamers and, and the player reactions of these showcases. That's, uh, so much fun for me. Absolutely. So Amber, on a slightly different topic, what advice would you give to future producers and creators who aspire to work to create awesome video games like Destiny? Yeah. So if you're new to the career or, to, or new in your career, um, I'd say try to project manage real projects. So for example, if you're working on a group project at school, volunteer to be the project manager for the group. Uh, solve problems uh, such as how will the group divvy up the work? How will the group communicate 
progress to each other? How will the group keep track of deadlines? How did you handle problems that arose? You know, uh, that type of experience when you're when you're trying to build a portfolio of work when you don't when you're not really uh, when you don't yet have a job doing that work day to day. You know, that type of experience can be used on your resume and during interviews because it's a real world experience that you can pull from. And I'd give uh, similar advice to artists or designers or engineers who also want to work in games. Just start working on games. They don't have to be um, big budget. They don't, you know, you can get together with some friends and just do a game jam. You know, those are things that you'll be able to talk about in your interviews. Um, you know, if you're an engineer, just start trying to build your own game. If you're an artist, make some art for your portfolio that looks like it belongs in a game. That's really great advice. And that makes so much sense. And on, on that note, what is next for you in your journey as a video game producer? And what do you hope to accomplish in the next year? Yeah, so uh, currently I work on one of the teams that builds our seasons. And we have uh, people who are always on a certain season. But there's also a group of individuals, or a group of people who are shared, or we call shared resources, and work on every season. And so um, recently I'd, I'd internally applied and interviewed for um, the, and accepted the role to be the producer for that shared team, or those shared teams. And um, so my focus will be on uh, team health, ensuring that people can move between the teams and the seasons in a healthy and sustainable way. And, you know, I, I might as well also plug that, hey, we are hiring producers right now, you know, um, one of which is my backfill. Since I'm going to be moving to this new team, we need to hire another producer to fill my old slot. Um, so I'm really excited about the content that you all get to see in the future i'm so so excited and to become a producer what are some important skills that you need to have uh to be qualified for such a position yeah so i think producers in general are like skills great communication really great at organizing um having uh, soft skills, being able to handle um, conflicts, like does, and that might mean um, just knowing how to bring people together to come to a solution. Um, like you know, most things are not impossible. We just need to figure out how we can accommodate um, different groups. If one group says, "Hey, we we really need um, to be able to." build it in a certain way, but another team says, we don't have the time to do it exactly that way, but here's a different alternative and getting those groups to work together. That's really cool. Wow. And thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, thank you for all that you do at Bungie. We appreciate you all for all of your efforts and all of the hard work that you put into making Destiny the very best game that it can be. We're excited to play. Uh, whatever comes next, but season 15 and beyond. And Amber, thank you so, so much for your time. And thank you so much for joining us tonight and sharing your amazing story and giving us a little glimpse of your life at Bungie.
Thank you so yes, much for having you. me. It's been fantastic. Yeah, of course. And before we let you go, where can the Guardians learn more about you and where can they find Destiny? Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, learn more about me. So we, uh, Women of Bungie, not long ago, had released kind of an introduction um, about women at Bungie. So I, I can send you that link if if that's something you'd want um, Absolutely. to post. It has more, uh, a little bit more about me, but also has more information uh, about the group. Um, and uh, Destiny is, I believe, on pretty much every major platform. Uh, I mostly play on Steam and PS4. Very cool. Well, Amber, thank you so much again for your time. And uh, it was such an honor to have you join us tonight. We appreciate your time and we appreciate everything that you do. And thank you to you and to the entire team at Bungie for all of your hard work. We love Destiny and we appreciate you all so much. So thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we wish you yes, all you. the best in your journey. Thank you for having me. Guardians, we are back. Thank you so much for your patience as we got back into the show. We hope you enjoyed our interview with the amazing Amber Alexander from Bungie. And now we have something a little special for you tonight. We have two amazing Guardians on the show tonight who are members of the Destiny community. And as you can tell, this week we're doing things a little bit differently here. We're debuting a new format tonight to help feature and highlight amazing up-and-coming creators in the Destiny community. And tonight, we welcome two more great Guardians. We welcome Bowie, Bowman, and Colin, a.k.a. Legionless, on the show. Bowie is an up-and-coming streamer. He's a Destiny fan and member of the Masanko clan. I feel like Masanko clan are taking over the Destiny show. We're going to have to talk. And he joins us from the great state of Washington. We're excited to learn about his Destiny journey. And then we also have Colin, a.k.a. Legionless, who is an up-and-coming YouTuber with 6,000-plus Guardians Strong on YouTube. He creates awesome Destiny videos where he shares his best advice and knowledge, helping you become a more informed and strategic guardian. And not only that, but Colin is also a writer where he creates high-value Destiny guides, helping guardians level up their Destiny game. And we're so excited to welcome these amazing guardians on the show to share their journey in Destiny. We're going to dive into Crucible, and we'll also discuss the latest news from Bungie. And not only that, but Shadow Price is back. So Shadow Price, welcome back. It's so great to have you back on the show. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, it has. Like, uh, it's funny because, you know, I was just <laughs> we were just uh, down there last week. We were hanging out, right? Just uh, chilling, enjoying, uh, enjoying our time. Down there, because uh, yeah, I went down to Florida for a couple weeks. I was in like the eastern part of Florida for a week, and then I came to your neck of the woods 
for a week too. Um, so yeah, I was down there for a good cause. Uh, it was, uh, it was nice to be down there. The weather wasn't that nice when I was on the beach though. <laughs> I only got to go on the beach twice and it rained both times I was there. <laughs> so that was kind of annoying. Other than that, it was a good trip. Oh, and the drive, the drive was very long because I didn't feel like flying. <laughs> well, you drove all the way from New York, so that must have been about 19, 20 hours. Yeah, like 21 hours. Basically. Oh, man. Okay, so you must have hit some traffic there. Okay. Yeah, the and... way back. The way back, the traffic was oh disgusting. It was so disgusting. Never again in 95 in Florida. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> uh, drove straight Shadow through. Price is hardcore. He, he just... <laughs> He just drives right through. Well, I had my girlfriend. I had my girlfriend with me, so we we you know, I drove like most of, most of the way. She took the last leg, like four hours. So the last and most and most important leg. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> but that definitely very but cool. I'm glad so to be back. what what was the highlight of your trip? Uh, well, just seeing my kids. That's that. That's what I was there for. You know, because my kids live in Florida now. So being able to see my kids, that was the highlight. Very cool. Well, uh, I hope they are doing well. And uh, it's uh, great that you you had a chance to get out to Florida and we got to hang out, too. So that was really nice. Got to play a little of the Halo uh, test fire. We're going to chat about the Halo test fire. Now, uh, did... Uh, Colin, did you get a chance to play through the Halo technical test or Bowie? I wasn't lucky enough to get invited. So, Oh, man. I thought everybody got invited. Uh, Seemed like it. Yeah, it seemed like it, didn't it? Okay, so you both didn't get invited. No, I didn't get invited either. It was was tragic. Well, I'm sorry. I think it was because I signed up last minute, like the day before. So they're just like, nah. So I, I, I didn't even realize that I was invited because everybody was posting on Twitter about how there's a technical test coming. So I figured, you know what? I'm going to check my emails and I'm going to type in Halo in the search bar and see what comes up. And surely enough, I had the invite somehow. And I was like, wow, okay. So I did get a chance to play through the uh, technical test. The first day was kind of rough. I'm not going to lie. But the second day was much more stable. And I think that, you know, as days went by, I think uh, it got more and more fun. Uh, unfortunately, or I, I guess fortunately, Shadow Price was here, so we did hang out. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to play as much as I would have liked. However, um, I really enjoyed what I had played of that. And it's going to be really exciting to play more of Halo this october uh but we're not a halo podcast we are a destiny podcast and we're gonna dive into more halo discussions on the show but before we do we're gonna put colin and bowie on the hot seat for our discussion with the guardians so i hope you both are ready yeah let's do it all right so let's let's see let's start with uh, bowie bowie Tell us about yourself and what you do in the Destiny community and how you got started. 
So I started off as a simple service streamer, but I was the worst of the bunch. I was the person who would do recubs every week. Uh, but that was back in comp days when trials didn't exist quite yet. Once trials came out, I moved over to the carry side more so, and I had a few partners over the last year. And I've just slowly uh, migrated over to Masenko, where I live now. And they're very kind to me. Very good family there. I enjoy playing PvP mainly. I do PvE as well. We have done uh, the, what's it called, day one attempts for every new raid that's come out. So Vog and Deepstone. Uh, and we almost beat Deepstone. Uh, I didn't quite get a day one clear for that one. But we did get a day clear one uh, for Vog. And uh, I continue to farm out Grandmasters for Adept Weapons and such as well, so... Oh, okay. Just a little bit of everything. So, I, I play... I play comp, like, once a year. Whenever I find somebody <laughs> who can carry me, because I am so bad, uh, I will be honest. Well, and it's not comp, it's really trials. Because I can somewhat hold my own in trials. And you can... Not, not trials, comp. And you can ask Reb. Reb knows that I'm complete trash when it comes to trials. Um, but I have gone flawless maybe three or four times. Oh, nice. In my it's life. It's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's still good. I mean, at least going once. I, I, I would, I would, my goal is to have at least every player go once to the lighthouse. I think that's a good, a good bar for Bungie to set. Because um, there are changes they can make to the game mode to make it more accessible. Uh, the, the lighthouse that is. Uh, it's really interesting, though, because Trials plays completely differently than any other mode in the game. It's very slow. Everyone's sitting in the back. Everyone's waiting for their Chaos Reaches or 3-peaking, uh, which is the main reason why 3-peaking is going to be going away hopefully soon, because it'll speed up the games just a little bit. Uh, but compared to, like, Comp or even Control, it plays completely differently. You know, in Control, everyone's just running at each other, completely just bullets flying everywhere, abilities flying everywhere, but in Trials, the... The stadium's mostly silent for the most part until someone makes the first move or gets a pick. So it makes it hard for people to really adjust to trials because it doesn't it's not like any other mode in Destiny, PvP wise. Is what I found. That's really cool. And now, Colin, what about you? Are you a PvP player? Uh, I used to back in D1. I was like really hardcore. I would go flawless all the time, like three, four times a weekend. What? Uh, then back in D2, I would play trials and then probably the last year or two, I've just slowly stopped playing PVP as like nothing's really been happening. Uh, the trials population gets worse on PC uh and then just like always having in the back of your mind is like this team cheating or or whatnot so not too much pvp these days i'll play like the iron banner for bounties uh but that's about it very cool. still pretty good though 1.7 kd oh yeah. man that's really good I'm like at a point. I'm at a point seven. I'm I'm trying to get up there to a one point oh. I'm struggling trying to climb that ladder. Yeah, I bet it's tough playing trials uh for loot on your end. 
And now, Colin, when did you get started in Destiny and how how'd you get your start in the Destiny community? I, I saw that your YouTube channel has been really active over the past year. Yeah, so I started playing Destiny 1, the initial launch, so midnight release of Destiny 1, I started playing. And really, I've just been playing ever since. I took a year off right after destiny 2 launched when like the content was pretty bad um and then the past year with like the pandemic and all that i've had the free time to start a youtube channel so started that a year ago just really trying to um help other players enjoy the game more um with guides and helpful content that saves people time and helps them enjoy the game more very cool and you're doing some really great things with your channel. And I mean, the fact that you were able to grow to 6K in a year, essentially, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it's been a lot of long nights, a lot of blood, sweat and tears going into it. Uh, it's cool to see it grow and, you know, hoping to continue to make better and better content as I keep working on it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, on a slightly different topic, uh, what would you say are your favorite activities to play in Destiny 2? Uh, I've always been a fan of strikes. Like the the best gameplay loop I found was the original D1 farming bosses, basically you just run the strikes so quickly that it's almost just constant boss fights for strike specific loot. So that's really where um, I like to hang out. I've skipped GMs uh, the last couple seasons, but then I've starting to fall back in love with them lately. And then I've always been a pretty big raider. I got a day one uh, deep stone crypt and then uh didn't have a team for Vogue, so didn't really try but uh all the other day one's been really close to the day one completion oh wow so strikes and raids well i'll tell you what if you're ever looking for more people for a raid <laughs> we struggle finding people on day one all the time me and shadow price we've tried man for the last like three years trying <laughs> to get a solid group and man it's, it's been show. It's been like pulling teeth, man. It's been really, really tough finding people to play with because we end up having to resort to LFG and let's not talk about that. Happy thoughts. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that, that's really cool that you got a day one Deepstone Crypt done. That's that's crazy. So how was that experience like? I mean, like it's it's something that I always wanted because we would always get really close. We would always get um stuck on the final boss and what would happen is half the team would want to go sleep for a couple hours and then uh they would come back and then we'd be like rushing the final boss for the last three hours get really close and then the timer would roll over um for garden of salvation in particular like we got stuck at um the first boss we got him to like and inch of his health multiple times and it was because one player 
because this was back in the Izanagi's meta, one player didn't have their Izanagi's catalyst, so they, if they had that, we would have had the damage. And then the second time we failed at that boss with like a, a pixel of health left, one player missed the final shot that was uh, the killing blow, and then he came immune, and we ran out of time. So the day one clears really really nice something I always wanted to get and it was really good to have that's why i wasn't too too concerned about getting it for vog because i had already played vog and i had already gotten the uh day one clear for Deepstone crypt very cool and what about you bowie what would you say um, are your favorite activities to play in destiny 2 so I, I enjoy Crucible overall. I think Quick Play is a very serene place. <laughs> uh, some of the higher end PvE activities are very fun as well. I thought Master Vog and GMs are very perspective shifting. I think it's very uh, good to at least give them a try because I've gone into these and then you get used to how bulky all the ads are. And when you go back to normal raid, you know, like a normal Vog run or a normal Nightfall, it's incredibly easy. You kind of see the the shift in scale whenever you're playing those activities. But I enjoy Crucible for the most part. That's where a lot of my time is spent. About 50% of it, 60% of my time is spent in the Crucible. Okay, so uh, I, you're going to have a lot of thoughts on the next discussion that we will be having. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know yet. Okay, well, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm ready to talk about Crucible. Okay. A lot well, to talk about. Well, we're going we're gonna to dive into it in just a moment. I do have one more question for you both. And that is, what are your hopes for Destiny 2 in Season 15? Right around the corner, right? We know that something big is coming August 24th with the big reveal. And then on August 25th, the new season kicks off with Season 15. So... Um, how yeah, much spoiler territory can we get into? What's like? The, uh, let's let's not because not out of okay. respect. I want to, yeah, of course, uh, make sure that we keep things as much spoiler free as possible. Yeah. Uh, ooh. Well, I'm excited to to. It seems like with the direction the location is going to be for the next season, that's going to be very interesting. Uh, along with where the story is going, I think it's been a story that's been long in the works. And I'm excited to see that finally kind of come around and end, especially with with Kyria being defeated in this last season. Um, so I'm, I'm hyped for the story. I've always been a story guy, even though I play PvP mainly. Story is what makes me buy the buy the next expansion, not the PvP changes. I wouldn't be playing anymore if the PvP was silly was keeping me here. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, the the story is going in a great direction, I think, and I'm excited to see see what's coming. Yeah, I think for me, I've always wanted to care about the story, but it's always been so hard to get into and stay invested. And this is coming from someone that like I read fantasy like all the time. So like reading isn't a problem and I love a good story, but the story always being contained outside of game or having to read just always like pulled me away from the immersion. So having the story being so good and so visible has been probably the best thing about destiny lately. And I'm really looking forward to seeing like where the story goes from here. Um, I guess like in D2 and like the long run, 
um, since that was the first part. I guess I'd love to see uh, more replayable content, like content like strikes and missions that change as you run them. So it's not like the same exact thing every time you run it. I'd love to see like maybe some procedural generation where like the missions change a little bit and um, the way you interact with the mission, like it responds to you a little bit more. Love to see that kind of stuff. That'd be interesting. That'd be pretty cool. And Shadow Price, do you have anything that you enjoy playing the most right now? I know that, you know, you've been a little bit slower on the game. You've been kind of busy. Yeah, I mean, the whole trip, like that took a lot, you know, I, I knew that was going to cut into my playing time for sure. Um, I would say, I don't know, I would say the Grandmasters just, uh, you know, it's fun to just grind those and everything and, you know, doing the raid doing like VOG. I mean, we haven't had a chance to do uh, Master VOG yet or anything. Um, but uh, yeah, probably, you know, kind of like the, that activities. Like I tried playing Crucible the other day. I don't know. I'm, I've got to, I'm hoping that these uh, things that we're going to get into the, the Joe Blackburn talked about, you know, hopefully they come to fruition sooner than later. <laughs> Yeah, and, and we're going to dive into that because there's there's a lot of stuff. And, you know, I found it really interesting that Joe Blackburn made those comments and the announcement on Twitter. I almost expect that to be in a weekly update. And I'm curious why it wasn't included in the weekly update instead of. I guess it was already better. so long as it is. <laughs> like, have you read it like any of the weekly update? Have you seen it? It's. Pretty long. I mean, it's so a lot I've not I have not read the entire weekly update this week. I didn't read it all, but I skimmed it. I skimmed it. It's all about abilities and things like that. Okay, so so we're gonna talk about abilities. I saw the tweet. I read the tweet. Uh, assistant man, uh, producer, if I'm not mistaken. I really don't want to butcher this. Uh, but I read his tweet. And I think it was more so damage control, kind of looking at what he was tweeting about, because if you notice, I it, agree. Abilities. it was all about maps, which is what people have been talking about for like the last two years. <laughs> They're like, hey, give us some Friendly new maps. Like, hey, we're going to give you some new maps right before the TWAB announcing the nerfs comes out. So I don't know. I think that and also the last two weeks, pretty much all of the PvP content creators have been raving about Splitgate and Halo which are, I think, two pretty huge competitors for the PvP side yeah, what, of Destiny, yeah, this, and they're coming very soon. What is the split gate I keep hearing about? Uh, it's kind of like uh, Halo combat, but with, like, portals. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're both kind of arena shooters, which is... And they're 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 all the same player base, like all the players that play destiny pvp like it's a seamless transition to play split gate and then uh the new halo i'll have to try I've, i have it downloaded i haven't played it yet yeah i'm i'm, yeah, really, excited. I'm really excited for halo uh when that comes out this october and by the way joe blackburn is the assistant game director for destiny 2 thank you so somebody got a promotion. Congratulations, Joe. 
He's been part of the team for many, many years now. And uh, yeah, so he actually made some pretty big announcements on Twitter on August 4th. And for anyone who does not know, I'm going to give you all a quick recap of what Joe said as part of our Crucible discussion tonight. And Joe Blackburn started out by mentioning that ahead of the showcase this month, I wanted to take a little time to talk about Destiny PvP. Finally, uh, competitive modes are part of what makes this game special. I can't imagine a version of Destiny 2 that doesn't involve getting a sweet new gun and taking it for a spin in the Crucible. This year, the team has spent a lot of future-facing efforts on plussing up the current Crucible experience. You've seen some of this already in stasis balancing, reputation updates, and shifting weapon metas. Next season, you'll continue to see these efforts with not only changes to three peaking, but also what the team has been planning for the revamp of Trials of Osiris. Tune in uh, on August 14th for more information. And we've got to keep our foot on the gas, okay? when it comes to revitalizing PvP, PvP pursuits and keeping gameplay metas fresh. This isn't something that will, be, will ever be done, quote-unquote, but we know we have room to grow when it comes to new maps and modes. So they're acknowledging that. That's good. Uh, the first half of 2021, we've been working on the foundation, but now we're spinning up our teams on new maps and modes we believe in the investment but it's going to take some time before you start seeing results in the game the ultimate goal is consistency if you play pvp the team wants you to understand that you'll be getting new maps and modes every year and that is the cadence of those coming out in the foreseeable future uh, but in order to get to predictable we need to open the faucet again that was really interesting that Joe mentioned that because to me saying we need to open the faucet again means at one point that faucet was closed, right? Yeah, I or think even currently. Yeah, I think he also goes on to say how basically there was no PVP team after Forsaken. They all got moved to other teams like the Sandbox team. So, yeah. It definitely makes sense that the uh, faucet for PvP was closed until recently. Yeah. And, you know, me and Shadow Price, we were talking about this when the announcement was made to make PvP free to play. And I remember that was a few years ago. Uh, at least a few years ago. When was that, Shadow Price? Do you remember? What's that again? I think it was Forsaken. <laughs> it was Forsaken. Okay. Uh, so Forsaken was when Bungie announced that the PvP aspect of the game is going free to play. Oh, yeah, was yeah. Either Forsaken it was, or Shadowkeep. It was Shadowkeep. Shadow 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 they did it. They did the Vidoc um, when they revealed. Yeah, whichever was two years ago. Yeah, yeah, that one. Bungie knew late. It was their program, and we all thought it was going to stay as like a separate IP where they just have a few missions, maybe some access to the Crucible, like generic Crucible, but then it expanded into Destiny, becoming full on free to play with an asterisk but right and you know i think for me i was always 
hesitant about anything that's free to play because to me it means that one of two things either one they're going to have to introduce microtransactions or for some type of way for them to monetize on that content because at the end of the day free to play isn't really sustainable if you don't make any money you you have to pay the people who are building the games and creating the content so that was my concern when i first heard about this being a new shift in the game philosophy because i would not mind paying for content so long as we're getting something valuable and useful on the call yeah i think they because like they they've had the eververse store for a long a lot longer than free to play has been up i think they expected to get more out of the eververse store when they shifted to free to play and i would be kind of surprised to see if there was really much of a change with the free to play um shift as far as the money that they were making from the eververse store yeah and i I think Uh, go ahead oh i was gonna say i think if you look at their earning reports uh it shows a general increase in revenue when they went free to play because of the shop when they really started feeling on it yeah was it the shop or them adding the season pass i think it was the shop well maybe a mixture of the two either way they both cater to the free-to-play model right yeah and uh, you know i think for me i wouldn't mind paying more for more content in the game and i think a lot of people would not mind especially if you play the game regularly uh and it's a fine balance between catering to the players who are going to go and play your game every day and making the game accessible for all players and i think that is a challenge that bungie has had over the last several years in order to really find that sweet spot uh but at the end of the day i think that having a community that has more content is more important than a free-to-play model in my opinion i think that even if you put like a ten dollar price tag on pvp every season as long as we can get the content as long as we can get new maps i think that's something that bungie would be able to get away with yeah i think um as far as like the eververse i think what really keeps a lot of people out of it is the price of the items in the eververse and then people are more likely to purchase from the eververse with like how they're feeling about bungie as a company so like if the game is doing well they're more likely to spend and then if uh they did more or any frequent silver discounts i think a lot more people will be uh purchasing silver and then cosmetics in the eververse um as far as like gating the content i i don't know i guess maybe just have if they wanted to keep like a free to play have like some have one mode that's um for free to play players like control slash clash be free to play and then everything else be um locked behind the season pass that makes sense what do you think shadow price uh yeah i mean i i agree with those those thoughts too as well um 
the whole when they went free to play, we know that the Crucible suffered. You know, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Unfortunately, we haven't had a new map in how many days? Um, over six hundred, I think. Yeah. Wow. You know, and this is something we've discussed so many times on here before, right, Cornholio? <laughs> uh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, you know, I would like to see more more than like at least two or three maps a year. I mean, I remember in D1 where we got like, what, seven or eight a year felt like, like we got so many maps in D1 and it just, hopefully they get back to that. They said it's going to take time, but you know, I guess we'll just have to see. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and here's what Joe had to say on the topic of new maps, new maps take time to get right. So to open the faucet for season 16, the team is working on porting two vaulted Destiny 2 maps to be compatible with our engine updates. That's a pretty big statement because that gives us insights into what is going on behind the scenes. But also, we know that season 16 will bring us maps from Destiny 2, not new maps or maps from Destiny 1 even. How do you yeah, all they, feel about this? They said season 16, so that's not even next season. <laughs> that's, that's the season next after. Season. That's not but, even next season. So no. what I thought was interesting about that is like with all this hassle about, you know, migrating old maps to be new and what sounds like the hassle itself was having to revamp all the maps that they did bring over uh, when Beyond Light Shift was like, we heard rumors of Destiny 3. We heard rumors of them just building a new engine or even just like commissioning a new engine to build Destiny so that it would be easier to work with. At this point, I don't understand why they didn't just do that since, I mean, we would have probably been in a better spot now anyways as players. They'd be able to ship content faster, theoretically, and they wouldn't have to deal with, you know, all the lash from now having to reissue old maps as new content. Uh because they weren't able to migrate it fully when Beyond Light Ship because they didn't have the uh, the team available to do that. Yeah, no. Yeah, I wonder if, like, a lot of the engine changes that they made were so, like, we're seeing now, as far as, like, the separation between PvE and PvP, we're seeing, like, they're able to make changes that affect enemy combatants, which are PvE enemies, versus... Uh, enemy pvp players so i wonder if like a lot of the engine changes that affected how they bring back maps are because of that yeah i mean there are a lot of good d1 maps still that i I wouldn't mind you know playing again i i just wish they could get them get us to get them to us quicker you know but yeah you know it's like um, some of the big maps like uh, First Light or Bastion, Sky Shock. Like How one did of I those. know you were going to say First Light? That's that's no I love. Say. <laughs> I I was just a young lad when I played Trials back in D1. I was probably only like, ooh, thirteen. Oh wow, fourteen. Oh wow, <laughs> yeah, I'm young. I feel old. <laughs> I feel uh, real old right now. <laughs> but I I distinctly remember loving Trials on First Light. That was it was because it's just it's such it was so different compared to like all the close range maps going on to this big open map where I mean, because snipers really able to shine in a shotgun meta on that map. 
Uh, nowadays, it would be kind of kind of scummy because no one no one would probably like it too much. Not but. even just <laughs> that though. Like I I enjoyed the vehicles being on the map, like yeah. and combined arms and things like that. You know, just something different. You know, it was fun because that that was very Halo esque. You know, like like big team battle. I I don't know if you guys are oh, I remember you know, that. big that Halo was, fans was and everything. Yeah, I enjoyed going on the maps and just getting a whole bunch of people together and just raising hell. It's a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, I do think it is a little disappointing to hear that for two years we were kind of being told that PvP was being worked on and um, like they they had plans for PvP just to then kind of get confirmed uh, yesterday that they actually didn't have a PvP team at all. Um, and then the best that they could do is yeah. bring back two D2 maps that they just took away. I mean, they basically um, like migrated Lars Bakken, like off. Remember when Lars was on the team and Kevin yeah. Giannis and, you know, yeah. they, they were, right. these guys were on the PvP team and everything. And then they just got migrated off of it and they absor- absorbed into another team, basically. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and you know, my, my feeling is that because of the way that the engine functions currently, they had to make tough decisions. Do we focus on PVE or PVP? Because we can't sustainably do both. And I think that's that could be where the decision was made. Let's focus on the PVE side so we can produce new content in that regard. And they have been, you know, with, with seasonal content, I think that they're doing some really interesting things with the override missions and you know i think the storyline was really great in season 14 as well so i think there are things that they're doing really well but uh it's it's finding that balance of not only making the pve players happy but also the pvp players happy because bungie historically is not just a single sided game it has both pvp and pve and when you abandon one group by not producing new content in two plus years, you do get players who become upset and complacent and they, you know, go and play other games. Yeah, I, I basically stopped playing PvP for all of those reasons. So maybe Bowie feels the same way, but I think. Um, I think. PvP players are rightfully frustrated and mad with the this news that like they're kind of being told one thing for the last two years and kind of stringed along a little bit. So I th- I think the frustration we're seeing is uh very reasonable and um it probably Bowie feels the same way being a PvP player. Yeah, so the main issue I have, I think that they're just spread too thin. Yeah. Uh, Bungie does have quite a few employees. Um, I'm not sure if you know, but they have more employees in the studio that produced Final, the newest Final Fantasy, um, <laughs> surprisingly. Wow, I but didn't know that. I, I actually, I went to Bungie Studios one night, and I got, I got a whisper in my ear that... Um, We've all heard of that one IP that they're working on. But I heard whispers of a second IP outside of the other one that hasn't even been released yet that they're working on as well. 
so they're working on two other games that it sounds like, and this is all you, you use it's more of a just trust me, bro scenario. So you can't don't take any of my word for truth. But with the amount of content that they have been producing for Destiny and the shifting of basically entire teams that were dedicated to half of a game um, to one other side of the game, it seems like they're really running short staffed and really kind of rationing off of where they really want their employees, it seems like, um, for other things. Because a lot of it, even if they had the original, it's in my opinion, even if they had the original PVE team for Destiny working alongside the Crucible team, I don't think we would see the PVE content we're getting now. I think we'd see more. Um, and with the fact that they're damage controlling for PvP, I think they know how much it's worth to the game and keeping it sustainable. I mean, Trials brought back a good 400,000 players every weekend back in D1 when D1 was on life support between D1 and D2. I remember that. Um, so it's like, I think they realize that there's a lot of their player base who plays PvP and a lot of the player base who actually, you know, they collectively uh, intermix between PvE and PvP. And without that crossover to PvP, they don't have any reason to just grind out their PvE weapons and just quit. There's no reason to keep playing after they get their god rolls because there's nothing to go into that will help uh, kind of give them that satisfaction of grinding. It's just, ah, cool, I got this cool weapon. And then that's it. That's what they're left with. Uh, when you just drain PvP and don't really put too much into it, in Destiny at least. And personally, the biggest problem I have is the reason I haven't swapped over is I haven't found another game that's able to really uh, give me the same feeling of gunplay that Destiny 1 does, or Destiny 2 does, sorry. They both have decent gunplay. Uh, I think Destiny 2's gunplay could benefit from removing stuff like Bloom, but I definitely haven't found another game that feels like Destiny whenever you shoot a hand cannon or shoot an auto rifle. It feels like you're shooting that gun, right? And COD or like Siege, um, Apex does it best in my opinion. But in the other two games I, I listed, it's kind of like point and click. It doesn't really, you don't really feel anything in my opinion from, from what I've experienced. So I'm excited. I'm, I, I'm, I haven't played Halo Infinite yet. I'm hoping that Halo Infinite, because I mean, Halo games, I've felt are pretty good at that too. I hope they come out and, and really hit hit the head of the nail with their hammer, but we'll see. Yeah, and and from from playing the technical test, I can tell you that it it feels very promising. I think that Halo will really nail it with the Crucible in October, and if anything, we'll have Halo to play, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with playing a different game while Bungie takes the time to sustainably build the next big thing. And I'm happy to hear that they're focusing more on PvP. I think that this was a much-needed announcement for Joe Blackburn to make. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, you're going to naturally get players who are going to be upset that we're not getting more. And I understand that. But I also try to be understanding of the developers and to realize you know we're we're living in a very unique time where maybe the developers just they can't keep up with the pace of creating all that content you know like they were able to do before when people didn't have to work from home as much yeah i think it's important to remember that the individual developers that work at bungie are absolutely fantastic and they're all good people and i think we can kind of just agree that all the mistakes are not on the individual people but the management 
Definitely. I, I would have to say I've noticed from from the people I've interacted with. I went to PAX West and DMG's a great guy. I mean, he's honestly pretty fan, pretty fantastic. So um, but I think it definitely you're correct on that. It seems like it's more of the uh, kind of higher up side of Bungie that seems to be failing at recognizing what the players want just because they're not really interested in that. It feels like and more so than like the actual developers or even the community managers or uh, managers in general, because they're not the ones who call the shots. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. So here's what I'm going to say on that topic. And I, I think that it's very easy to resort to just blame management, blame the higher ups. Um, but I, I truly and genuinely believe that everybody at Bungie is trying their best. Right. And we won't always make the best decisions because I think that especially building a game like Destiny, it's complex. It's a complicated game. There's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, sometimes maybe difficult decisions have to be made, right? Maybe it's just, it's not possible for them to maintain both PvE and PvP at that time with what they wanted. I, I don't think anybody comes to work at Bungie saying, gee, we want to make a crappy game today or we don't want to make yeah. PvP and PvE for the players. Yeah. I think they all do. But I, I think that resources are or seem to be limited. And I do think that while certain decisions could have been made a little bit differently to better support PvP, but I also don't want to automatically assume that, oh, well, it's the management because we're not getting it. I think everybody at Bungie yeah. is trying really hard to bring us the best game possible. And my perspective is if it's going to take longer, as long as they're working on it, I'm okay with waiting because at the end of the day, it's a video game, right? And exactly. it's one of many video games that we can play. And you know what? If we don't get new PVP in season 15 beyond what we get with trials, but you know, there will be other games that we can play. For example, Halo Infinite is coming out in October. That's going to be a really exciting game to play, and it's free to play. The PvP is going to be free to play, or if you have Game Pass, you access the entire game. Yeah, and I, if I can expand on my point about the management, it's it's not that they're malicious or that they have malicious intent. I just think that the goals and the uh, objectives of every person who's working on destiny and who's because uh, the, the people at Bungie, the, the management there, they're not just worried about destiny. They're worried about what's next. What's after that. What's, you know, they're looking at the future. They're not necessarily looking at destiny per se, right? They want the best for that because that's still their, their asset, but they're not necessarily going to just focus on destiny and that's fine. It's just different objectives, different sites, different goals kind of clashing with each other. And you can see that very, uh, dramatically with how destiny is shaping in itself in these changes definitely yeah i agree just as long as like the communication matches like the action yeah exactly so here's here's what uh joe blackburn had to further say on the topic of crucible when we upgraded our engine with beyond light it means we had to hand port all of our destiny 2 maps and modes so while it may seem from the outside like we're just pushing a button, there's a significant lift from the team to get more of this content back into rotation. 
after reprised maps in season 16, season season 17 will come with a brand new map. I should note singular, one new map. There are a bunch of environments in Destiny 2, and we're excited to start bringing them into the Crucible. Finally, after those three maps are added to the rotation in 16 and 17, we will be remastering a Destiny 1 map and bringing it to Destiny 2 for the first time in Season 18. All of this effort is going to be done in parallel with the team looking to fund a far future with a predictable roadmap of maps in Lightfall and beyond. That was really interesting for Joe Blackburn to say that because we had wondered what's happening after Lightfall. Is Destiny even going to exist in the form that it is? And from the sound of this, Lightfall will not be the end of Destiny. It it will be just another chapter in the journey. So I think to me, that's exciting to know that, you know, Destiny as a franchise will continue regardless of anything and that there are plans to make Destiny Crucible a better experience for all players. Now, what do you all think about this uh, announcement from Joe? Do you, do you think, are you okay with the cadence of content that we're getting? Do you think this will be enough to keep Crucible players engaged in Destiny? So I think maps alone won't be enough. I think he's still hiding some cards under, under the table. <laughs> I think they're going to, the, the new modes, and I think revitalizing loot in comp and trials could, could do it uh, for, that, for that length of time. I don't think, it, when he says seasons, you kind of, oh, you know, soon. But season 18 and life are two years away, <laughs> like, or a year away. So it's really, when you list it as, oh, you know, a year from now we'll have four new maps. It's like, well, you just took away 16 in the last month. Not only not 16, but, you know, you took away a big chunk of the maps we had in the last month. But I also think to build off of what you said earlier about overworking the team, I don't want that to happen either. I don't want them to be forced to just make new maps. And that's all we have. You know, I want to see, I would prefer to see different modes, different ways to play on the maps that we have currently. What works with what and what is good and what isn't good about a subclass and, and et cetera. So I, w- I was really disappointed now, hindsight 2020, that they didn't do that. Well, I think yeah. like bet- between Destiny 1 and Destiny 2, they were stumbling and really just learning a lot along the way. And now that we've come so far into Destiny 2, I think they understand a lot more about what makes like a good Destiny game and like what keeps players coming back. So I think if they were to make a new game with what they've learned in Destiny 2, keeping players uh, active, I think we would have a way better game where there's more content being delivered and the content that we get is uh, better quality than like the same repeated seasonal activity that's slightly different. I agree. Fullheartedly agree. I also... I'm. I'd be very excited to see Pinnacle Weapons return in an exotic form. 
I think that might be interesting. Not the same ones we've had, but that kind of same power chase uh, and quest chase for PvP and PvE reintroduced with exotics. Uh, I mean, they had that in Destiny 1 with Thorn and the quest bounties, you know, the random drops from quests. And those were, you know, you'd have to go in for Thorn, you had to go in and get like, what, 600 void kills, but every death you had took away three kills. <laughs> Something crazy guess, yeah. like that. <laughs> so, I mean, having quest grinds like that for really powerful exotics was good. And I think there's a lot of loot content-wise uh, that they're very lacking on. I think one of them, and this is core to Destiny 2, one of the mistakes that they made, in my opinion, uh, was dropping the ball with exotics. And when I say that, I mean, when you start the game, you're immediately, in the first month, you have all of the exotics. You probably have all, almost all the quest exotics because the quests aren't, aren't too terribly difficult. And you're probably just starting to grind out for raid exotics. When in Destiny 1, that first month, you probably only had an armor piece and a gun, and that was it. <laughs> And you're still like wondering, how do I get this mystical weapon that everyone's using to completely destroy me? And then you find out that it's from a raid, you know, or like you find out that Touch of Malice, this really good weapon for King's Fall. Oh, you have to play King's Fall and earn it and really challenge yourself to get it. But you don't really have that grind necessarily anymore. And I think that they're, they're slowly realizing that that grind is what really brought players into the game, this kind of mystery of well, how do I get this? How does this work? How do I, like, what are the drop rates? Can I get the, like, the unobtainable aspect of an exotic is what made it an exotic. And we don't really have that anymore. Um, Players are also just so different than uh, five years ago in D1. Like, the average player is so much more informed about the game, so much better at the game, that I think a lot of the lessons and a lot of the stuff that worked in Destiny 1 probably wouldn't work anymore. Just because, like, and not in, not just in Destiny, like, gamers across the board are so much better, so much more well-informed with, like, the rise of Twitch and then uh, YouTube just being so easily accessible for people that I think if they were to go and make a Destiny 3, it would be on the lessons that they learned in Destiny 2, and I think a lot of what worked in Destiny 1 probably wouldn't work moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right. And, you know, I almost wonder if Bungie relied too heavily on roadmaps and giving us too much information about what's coming. Like, I miss the idea of having the exotic drop as a surprise when... Literally, the way you found out about the exotic was either through being a very good player and being the first one to get something accomplished, or it was a YouTube video from a person like Jarv or Houndish. You know, right. uh, and I do miss that. Uh, so I do hope that we get that level of surprise back in the game a little bit more in uh, upcoming seasons, and hopefully with the Witch Queen. Also, so, oh, sorry, ahead. you can go. No, go ahead. Uh, it was just going to be a small tangent. I think what artistically, I, I like the art of Destiny. Destiny's always had amazing art. I think going for more like of a darker tone like Forsaken has is kind of a great atmosphere for Destiny. And I was very sad to see them kind of drift away from that when Destiny 2 launched. I feel like having a nitty gritty kind of unknown atmosphere was kind of what made Destiny Destiny. 
we don't we didn't really have that too much in destiny 2 ship but hopefully moving forward i mean it looks like they're kind of going back to that that kind of this is a dark story not skipping in the meadows <laughs> would be great to see no definitely and we also have another thing to dive into for the evening and we have the bungee weekly update or this week at bungee if you're not old school like me and shadow price are and uh shadow price if you're awake do you want to share with us what we learned in the bungee weekly update or this week at bungee okay strap in this is a this is a long one um lots of stuff with abilities and issues yeah <laughs> so uh so cosmo is the uh is the author this week and uh he goes on to say that this week at Bungie, we start shaking up the sandbox and uh, they're going to cover a lot today. So they're going to skip a lot of small talk and get into it. Uh, as we spoke about earlier, Joel Blackburn went out on Twitter and talked about some of their upcoming plans regarding Destiny for PvP. So if you guys haven't had a chance to read that, uh, go ahead and give it a read on Twitter. It's uh, it's pretty eye opening. I, I already read it for you all. You don't have to read it. I just listen to it on the podcast. Yeah, just listen to it on the podcast. There you go. And you can hear my voice. And that's that's what makes it more fun. But anyways, I digress. Go ahead, Shadow Price. Uh, so it goes on to uh, caption. It says the best of your ability. So they go on to say our teams have been hard at work putting together a lot of changes for next season. And we decided to break out upcoming sandbox changes into three parts. This week we are covering abilities. Next week we'll talk about armor and mods. And then we will touch upon weapons during the final week before the end of the season. Here's combat gameplay designer Eric Smith to give you a rundown on how your Guardian's abilities will be evolving next season. Uh, so Eric goes on to say, we've been hard at work on abilities balance patch for season 15. But before we get into the balance changes, here's some info about a quality of life change debuted in, in season 15. Okay, so separate melee actions. Okay, so he goes on to say, have you ever tried to throw a knife at an approaching Screeb only to instead lunge forward and slap the Screeb in, gross, in its gross exploding face? Have you ever accidentally wasted your hard-earned melee charge on a sad lone dreg? If so, there's hope. Introducing separate melee actions. Starting next season, you'll be able to bind your charged melee attack and your uncharged melee attack to separate inputs, giving you greater control of when you use your abilities. This is an opt-in feature, and these new actions will be unbound by default when you go to customize your controls you'll see the following new entries in the action list auto melee is the new name for the melee action that you're used to your melee is context sensitive and its behavior will change based on your equipped ability and your proximity to enemies it usually does its job well but will occasionally betray player intent charged melee is a new action that will always activate your charged melee ability upon button press regardless of whether an enemy is at lunge range Pressing the input when your melee ability is not fully charged will perform no action and cause the melee ability icon to flash red, similar to how the grenade ability works. Uncharged melee is a new action that will always activate your uncharged melee, even when your charged melee is ability is fully charged. It's fairly straightforward, but here are some things to note. Melee attacks trigger as soon as the button is pressed, not when it's released. Melee attacks don't wait to see if you're still holding the button before starting. This means you can't set any of the melee actions to a long press or a double press input. 
Game controllers have a limited number of inputs, so you may need to get creative on how you map your controls. Personally, I like to put charge melee on RB or R2 and uncharge melee on right stick click R3. This doubles up the finisher and uncharged melee actions on right stick click R3, which will prioritize finishing enemies over meleeing them in the enemy if the enemy is finishable state. If you assign charged melee and uncharged melee to the same input, it will always prioritize the charged melee over the uncharged melee, which is the opposite behavior of the auto melee action. To use these new actions on a keyboard or mouse, open the settings menu, click on the keyboard and mouse, scroll down to charged melee and uncharged melee, and assign them to an input. To use these new actions on controller, open the settings menu, go to the controller button layout, custom scroll down to charge melee and uncharge melee and send them to an input. We hope you enjoy this new functionality and we hope it saves your bacon from time to time. Do you guys have any questions? I don't like that. <laughs> First part. No, this is a good change. I think a lot of people have been asking for this for a while. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You're making me want bacon now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the next uh, thing they talk about is long-term ability plans. Last season, Sandbox lead Kevin Giannis laid out our vision for how we see subclass abilities fitting into the Destiny 2 Sandbox moving forward. Our philosophy for the ability design is that abilities should complement the core combat of Destiny, but not dominate it. It should enhance the game's gunplay, but not replace it. The changes we're introducing in Season 15 will help to set the stage for those larger systemic ability changes. In the coming seasons, we'll be focusing on adjusting on how often abilities can be used in the Crucible specifically. Please stay tuned for more info about that. Season 15 Ability Pass. For Season 15, we've prepared a slew of balance changes to raise up underperforming subclasses, tone down overperforming subclasses. Without further ado, here are the ability changes we're making in Season 15. Let me guess. Gener stasis. Yep, that's what they're okay. starting with. General abilities. Stasis freeze. The goal of these changes is to make to being frozen by stasis less frustrating. Previously, players who were frozen in the air had to wait until they hit the ground to start the breakout process. Additionally, we've shortened the window of vulnerability between breaking out of the stasis encasement and losing the damage resistance it provides and getting back to weapon ready so you can fight back. Frozen players can now initiate breakout while airborne. Shorten breakout animation and camera transition. This means that once you decide to break out, you'll be able to fight back sooner differentiated long freeze and short freeze visual treatment to make each status easier to identify. Slide. The goal of the slide change is to slightly reduce the effectiveness of sliding into engagements to gain the upper hand. Even after the shotgun changes we made that last season, sliding into every engagement with a shotgun or any weapon is still incredibly effective and running gun play styles are very low risks. This is a change that looks scarier on paper than it feels in practice in our opinion and we'll continue to monitor how it plays out. While sliding, players now incur the following weapon penalties. Minus 20 to stability, plus 15% to shotgun pellet spread, and a 1.5 uh, times flinch. So the first one they go on to describe is the Titan. Uh, they're going to talk about the Rally Barricade. The Barricade variant doesn't see much use, so we made changes to make it more viable option. It retains the same reload speed benefits as before while adding other weapon buffs. Standing behind the Rally Barricade now also provides the following weapon buffs, plus 30 to stability, plus 10% to range, and minus 50% to flinch. All Barricades. Currently, certain fast-moving abilities allow you to speed through any enemy barricade while taking minimal damage. The goal of this change is to make players think twice before dashing through a barricade to engage the Titan on the other side. 
Barricade still can't cause lethal damage, but dashing through one should now always leave you with a sliver of health. Players moving at high velocity now take more damage when moving through hostile Titan barricades. Barricades now slightly protrude into the ground to better protect the Titan's feet on even ground. This should reduce instances where explosions and projectiles are able to sneak through the bottom of the barricade and hit the Titan. So they go on to talk about the Behemoth subclass. As you may remember, midway through last season, we released a portion of the stasis-related changes originally intended for this release. We're pretty happy with the effect those changes have had on the Crucible, but some of the changes we made had a negative effect on the feel of stasis and PvE content. We made some adjustments that should help these abilities feel better. In this case, the Cryoclasm change we made last season made it difficult to use Cryoclasm to shatter targets that were close to you. This change enables the behemoth to shatter nearby targets even if they don't have enough space to get a run and start. We also believe we overdid the movement speed nerf to behemoths last season, which hurt the viability of Shiver Strike, especially during the Glacial Quake Super. We've increased the movement speed to make this feel better. With this patch, we are also fixing a bug where the Whisper of Rhyme Overshield wasn't properly scaling precision damage, causing it to be significantly beefier than intended, which primarily impacted tectonic harvest behemoths. Cryoclasm. While Eclipse base slide now shatters crystals and frozen enemies. The increased duration of free screen effects notifying players that Cryoclasm long slide is ready from 1 second to 4.5 seconds. Shiver Strike. Increased movement speed by 25%. Whisper of Rhyme. Fixed a bug where the overshield provided by Whisper of Rhyme was not scaling precision damage correctly. So that's uh, the stasis for the Behemoth Titan. Any questions on that before we go on to Middle Tree Sunbreaker? That's a, it's some good changes so far. Yeah, these are some sweeping changes too, like lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now I can now I can kind of understand why they didn't talk about the Crucible in this update because that would yep. be overwhelming. Right. I do think the sliding changes are a little unnecessary. Like, I'm sure they're not going to be too drastic, but it feels really weird to um, mess with, like, a core gameplay aspect of PvP. Like, it's it's so muscle memory after five, six, seven years of Crucible to add all of these negatives. feels kind of weird. They sh- if If the issue is special weapons they should have targeted special weapons because now sliding affects primary weapons and primary engagements around corners so my i have a very particular opinion on this how many of you guys actually enjoy the slow rate that trials play not like you guys do you guys enjoy how so now imagine you load into your control game after this patch goes live. You know, slide is obviously nerfed. You know, you get flinched out of your slide. It de- I guess this all depends on when the slide ends, right? Because if it ends at the end of your slide and, and you're crouched still, fine, go for it. Slide's a movement ability, right? Um, if it ends after you stand up and you have to be fully sta- stood up and like readied your weapon, it's like a debuff you get shortly, then it's not going to work. Uh, anyways. You, you load into control, right? And you see an enemy full of, of titans, okay? Right? And they're all running Rally Barricade. And you got 
three of them on B, three of them on C, and they're just holding the zone, sitting there with their rally barricades that now give them 50% reduced flinch and stability increase as well. Um, and you're struggling to even push them because all your shots don't do anything to them. Uh, you can't really do any... You, three peaking is out of the question, right? You can't three peak them and just wait. Uh, so now it just turns into a waiting game to try and get them in between when their rally bar barricades go out. And there's no real movement in the games anymore because you're just having people play off their rally barricades now more than ever. Uh, in my opinion, I think that's what it's going to lead to. I think they're kind of underestimating what 50% reduction in flinch does. Uh, for example, I think Dragon Shadow only does like a 20% reduction in flinch roughly because of the stability and handling increases it does. And even that makes like controller feel like mouse and keyboard. Uh, so a 50% flinch reduction and a 30% stability increase, I think is a bit overkill. I think that's going to end up making games play way slower than they are intending it to play. Um, and I think that's going to affect crucible widespread more than anything alongside with the, I don't, I don't know if I completely disagree with the slide nurse. I think they're not very beneficial. Uh, I, but I think in tandem with the rally barricade changes, it's just going to lead to a more, uh, discouraging, environment for people who like to play aggressively which is a majority of the destiny 2 player base is going to really slow down engagements and slow down games unfortunately yeah i can see that yeah. see because personally the first thing i see even in control whenever i load in the first thing i look for is where everyone's moving and what lanes people are playing out of and I, this is just going to lead to people playing out of the same lane staying there and waiting it's all there's not going to be any movement anymore there's no incentive to push they've kind of killed that with this buff to rally barricades and slide is what i'm assuming is going to happen but we'll just have to wait and see yeah uh so they go on to talk about middle tree sunbreaker next uh we are extending the throw and hammer lifespan to allow titans more time to finish an engagement and still pick up the hammer before it vanishes we also felt it could deal more damage against orange and yellow bar enemies also, the new charge melee action allows you to throw your hammer point blank at an enemy, which is pretty badass. Throw in a hammer. Increase the time before hammer explodes after hitting the ground from 6.5 seconds to 10 seconds. Increase damage versus powerful PV combatants by 50%. Top and bottom tree striker. Some of the game's melee based supers are a bit of a disadvantage in today's sandbox. So we decided to give a few of them some love. In the future, we'll be looking at ways to reduce the disparity between melee supers and ranged supers in a more sustainable way. Fist of Havoc. Increase slam detonation radius by 14%. Reduce slam damage falloff. Reduce slam attack activation from 21% to 18%. Middle Tree Striker. This change will be balanced out by something we haven't mentioned yet. We'll say more about this in a future TWAB. Inertia Override. Increase duration from 4 seconds to 6 seconds. Sliding over an ambo brick now grants 20% melee energy. Top Tree Sentinel. The following change refers to the Ward of Dawn bubble itself and not players inside the bubble. Currently dropping a Ward of Dawn on top of a boss is a no-brainer because it's so effective. The goal of this change is to reduce the breadth of encounters solved by Ward of Dawn and make burly bubbles a conscious choice by Titan. Ward of Dawn. Increase damage taken from bosses from 0.25 times to seven times at zero resilience. Damage taken can scale down to 0.25 times based on the owner's resilience stat. Uh, so that's it for the Titan. Uh, guys have anything to add before we move on to the Hunter ability changes? Oh. 
so far, I think all the Italian ability changes are, are pretty good. I, I want to see how that Word of Dawn change is going to play out. Because um, seven times seems like a, a lot. Uh, and if that's just, I'm not sure if that's going to be just Stomp or if that's going to be like their shots as well. Because, I mean, Atheon might turn into, or even Templar might just uh, be a little bit too difficult after that. <laughs> Although yeah. Will's still around, so. Yeah, because they're basically nerfing War of Dawn, right? If that's a- I mean, it sounds like it's going to be breaking pretty fast from bosses. And the bosses that they have in the game right now is Spray and Pray. So, I don't know. We'll have to see. I've always been a Titan main from, like, day one. So, my opinion has always been that the supers on Titan haven't really needed the love. It's always been, like, the neutral game. So, like, the grenade, the melee, the passives that you get from the class have always been what I feel like has needed the love so it's a little disappointing to see that a lot of the buffs are to the supers which in my opinion were like they're they're fine in PvE and maybe bad in PvP depending on like which tree but I would have rather seen some at least in PvE, some passives get buffed or new passives get added and then the neutral game get better. Because one of my favorite builds to use is Code of the Commander Middle Tree Sentinel with the Void Detonators and double suppressor grenades. And you can just run a really clean build where you're just spamming abilities and you can't really get something like that on all the other classes um, on Titan. And it kind of replicates like a void warlock where if you use um, the one helmet where you just your void weapon kills recharge your ability, you can get like an insane spam build. So I think I would have loved to see some passives and the neutral game get better for Titan. Definitely. Uh, okay, so let's move on to Hunter. Uh, first up is Revenant. Last season, we reduced the radius of the silence freeze. That change has played out well, requiring the Revenant to be more precise with their silence throws. Even now, silence feels like the scarier part of the super, and you want Squall to feel more dangerous. Currently, the Squall storm is slow enough that you can kind of ignore it or fight until it gets close and then relocate. With this speed change, we want players to prioritize relocating when they see an approaching Squall. Additionally, Squall will now stop when it touches a boss, which should make it better for single-target boss damage. However, there's a known issue where the Squall will not start moving again if the boss moves or dies. We hope to further improve this behavior in a future release. We feel hit, we hit Wither and Blade slightly too hard in last season's stasis balancing. The Fallen Chain should make it slightly easier to land while keeping the damage and slow duration at a reasonable spot. Silence and Squall. Increase Squall movement speed by 20%. Squall Storm now stops when it touches a boss. Wither and Blade, increase projectile speed and tracking by 10%. Middle Tree Gunslinger. We'd like to give hunters a large window, larger window to defeat burning enemies and trigger the playing with fire perk. As such, we're giving the knife trick timer a 25% buff. Knife trick, increasing bird increased burning duration from 3 seconds to 4 seconds. Top tree gunslinger. 
This super has been through a lot. We had intentionally reduced the effective range of six shooters several seasons ago to balance it against the bottom tree golden gun. This change was then unintentionally reverted at some point due to unrelated integration mishap and then later, later de-reverted. In any case, we're extending the lethal range of the super a little to, to reduce how often it requires two shots to kill in the crucible. Six shooter. Damage fall off starts at 25 meters instead of 20 meters. Arc strider. As we mentioned previously, melee supers such as arc staff are struggling a bit today's standbox, where players move extremely fast. Weapons hit extremely hard and range supers handily win duels we've extended the duration and slam range to help alleviate some of arc staff's shortcomings but we'll continue to evaluate super dynamics and search for a solution that doesn't cause power creep additionally arc staff needed a little love and high level pve content so we increase its damage output there arc staff increase passive super duration from 16 seconds to 20 seconds increase heavy slam detonation radius from 5 meters to 6 meters Increase damage versus PvE combatants by 33%. Top tree arc strider. Deadly reach. Increase duration from 8 seconds to 10 seconds. Middle tree arc strider. Lightning weave. Dealing damage with the tempest strike now triggers lightning weave. Timer can now be extended by dealing damage with any weapon. Middle tree night stalker. Spectral blades not only allows us allows its user to go invisible and vanish from radar, but also has one of the highest damage reduction values in the game. As the fantasy of this ability is that of a stealthy assassin and not a stealthy raid boss, we decided to tone down the damage reduction. Looking at the data, Middle Tree Night Stalker is among the most successful subclasses in the Crucible, so this change feels warranted. Spectral Blades. Reduce damage reduction during Super from 52% to 47%. Reduce additional damage reduction when invisible from 5% to 3%. Okay, so that's it for the Hunters uh, and their ability changes. Anything to add before we move on to Warlocks? So I think it's pretty all right. I am I am a Hunter main. I was kind of disappointed to see them reduce damage reduction for Spectral, but then not really address the fact that its hit reg is very off. Mm-hmm. I, I would have been more okay with the damage reduction changes if they would have changed the hit reg because the hit reg is abysmal. Like imagine uh, year one Sentinel Titan. That's what it is on Spectral nowadays. Um. The rest of the stuff is great, though. I think extending the falloff for Golden Gun is great. And the changes to Arc Strider to make them more viable is, is pretty good as well. I don't really agree with Silence and Squall movement, but we'll see how that plays out. I think this is where we see a lot of the engine changes. Is Like in here, we're seeing them being able to buff and nerf the classes by the damage and how they interact with PvE enemies versus PvP enemies. Like, a lot of the buffs that supers and classes needed for PvE were able to see that happen without affecting PvP. Definitely. Okay, so Warlocks. Uh, They're going to talk about Shadebinder first. Winter's Wrath is one of the best dueling supers in the game. Capable of quickly and easily dispatching other supers. We're okay that with that being a strength of the Shadebinder in PvP, but we felt melee supers needed more of a fighting chance against the Shadebinder. Winter's Wrath. Reduce Shatter Pulse damage versus close-range supers. Warlock must now freeze and shatter twice to defeat players in Burn and Maul, Fists of Havoc, Sentinel Shield, Nova Warp, Arc Staff, or Spectral Blades. Glacier Quake still only requires one shatter to defeat. Top Tree Dawnblade is straight up dominant in PvP. 
So we're <laughs> taking some measures to make it slightly less so. Celestial Fire will now take a little more accuracy to get full damage. Having access to two back to back Acorus dashes gives gave the subclass too much positioning flexibility, allowing for quick long distance flanking and invasion. When playing against Top Tree Dawnblade, it's hard to know if they have an Icarus dash ready to go, even if you just saw them use one. We're hoping to make this change playing against Top Tree Dawnblade more predictable. We want the identity to be found in aerial combat, so we're doubling down on heat rises. We hope this change makes heat rises more accessible to players of all skill levels. Celestial Fire. Reduce tracking cone angle. Arming Arming shape proximity detonation now shrinks over time. Reduce detonation size by one meter. Damage fall off increase at short distances. Icarus Dash now provides one air dodge every four seconds. While under the effect of heat risings, increase to two dodges every five seconds. Heat rises. Increase duration from 10 seconds to 15 seconds. Increase the time extension awarded for air kills while heat rises is active. The extension duration differs based on the type of enemy you killed. Your location now appears on enemy radar when using heat rises. Middle Tree Dawnblade. Like Ward of Dawn, dropping a well on certain bosses is a no-brainer because it's so effective. The goal of the below changes is to reduce the breadth of encounters saw by well radiance and make burly wells a conscious choice by Warlock. Additionally, we'd like to make well radiance more effective in the Crucible. You will have more survivability well in the well, and you won't have you won't be able to f- be frozen or slowed by stasis users, making this tree a solid choice when facing off against stasis. The well sword can be frozen and shattered, but it takes multiple freezes and shatters before being destroyed. Well of Radiance. Increase damage taken from bosses from 0.25 times to 1.5 times at zero resilience. Damage taken can scale down to 0.25 times based on the owner's resilience stat. Note, this refers to Well of Radiance itself and not players inside the well. Increased damage resistance buff versus enemy players from 20% to 40%. Players inside Well Radiance are now immune to stasis freeze and slow. Well Sword can now be frozen and shattered by stasis. Guiding Flame. Increased duration from 7 seconds to 10 seconds. Increased damage buff from 20% to 25%. Bottom Tree Dawnblade. This tree has felt a little lackluster when compared to the Warlock's other options, so we've given it some enhanced functionality like the Revenant Shatter Dive. Phoenix Dive can now dive down diagonally in the direction of your choosing. Bottom Tree Dawnblade also has one of the weaker melee attacks in the game. You had to defeat an enemy with the melee impact to cause an explosion. With this new rework, anytime you defeat an enemy who is burning or defeat an enemy with any of your solar abilities, they'll explode and put a burn on nearby enemies. Your charged melee deals 120 damage and puts a burn on the enemy, meaning you can follow up with another lethal attack and still get the explosion. As a side note, this will be even more effective with the Dawn Chorus Exotic Helmet. Phoenix Dive. Reduce delay before dive starts. Can now input a direction to dive in that direction. Ignited Touch. Ability Rework. Solar ability kills and kills on burning targets now cause targets to explode and burn other nearby enemies, who will also explode if they die while burning. Middle Tree Stormcaller. These changes should lead to less instances of chaos reach dealing damage to enemies on the other side of the wall. wall. Arc Beam sees high uses in the Crucible, in part due to geomagnetic stabilizers, and is often used as a shutdown super. In future seasons, we'll be looking at Arc Beam to make sure it's not too easy to use in the Crucible. Chaos Reach. Increase 
beam environment collision size to better match collision size with damage size. Reduce beam damage radius and PvP by 20%. Reduce beam endpoint sphere radius and PvP by 33%. Bottom tree stormcaller. Player feedback and data on the bottom tree stormcaller indicated that it could use a little love, so we made an arc soul last a little longer and slightly shorten the time between bursts. Landfall felt a little underwhelming, so we increased the spectacle a bit. It will now fire five arc projectiles along the ground in all directions. Cast your super in the middle of the room to electrocute everything around you. Arc soul. Increase duration from 12 seconds to 13 seconds. Increase fire rate by 10%. Electrostatic surge. Now increases sprint speed while allies are near. Landfall. Now fires five arc ground projectiles on cast. Middle tree void walker. Through a mix of player feedback, data, and running through some high-level PvE content, we felt the Nova Warp Super Warp Super needed some attention. Buffing Nova Warp is a dangerous endeavor, though, and we'll be monitoring to make sure we didn't overdo it. In PvE, handheld Supernova was doing a pitiful amount of damage, so we considerably increased its damage output, especially considering the time and proximity costs you're playing, paying to charge it up and get within enemy range. We've also increased the hold time after charging to give you more time to throw it before it vanishes. Nova Warp. Increased damage by versus PvE combatants by 73%. No longer slows movement speed while charging slash charged. Now detonates on cast. Handheld Supernova. Increased damage versus PvE combatants by 100%. Increased hold time from 2.5 seconds to 3.2 seconds. We've omitted some minor changes and bug fixes from this list to avoid bogging down the TWAB any more than we already have. For the full list of ability changes, be sure to check out the patch notes when Season 15 launches. While the season's changes are focused on balancing the power output of specific abilities, we're hard at work on system-level changes that will enable us to create a healthy, healthier balance between abilities and gunplay. We hope to share more about these changes in the future. Later. Okay, so that's the uh, that's the abilities uh changes that they're doing uh you guys got anything to add uh, for the warlock i am so happy that icarus dash has been nerfed like oh my god it is i feel feel like it's never fit in the game since it was added like we had twilight garrison in d1 with two dodges that you could do instantly they realized that didn't work so then it became one every few seconds like icarus dash initially and then they realized that wasn't good enough either, so it didn't come back in D2 when it when it just stayed in D1. So, and then having one class that can literally be on a different level, like physically, than all the other classes, like Titan and Hunter, are limited between like the amount of vertical movement that they can go up, like the between the ground and then however the highest titan can jump or however the highest hunter can jump and then here's this one subclass that can literally play twice as high as everyone else like uh, my opinion was always that it kind of created a very unfair advantage for that one subclass because they could play in the stratosphere while everyone else is playing on the ground and it just, I'm so glad to see that it's getting some nerfs. Yeah, they're going to focus on you having your heat rises uh, active, and then they said you can get two dodges uh, while under the effect of heat rises. 
every five seconds. So that's going to be interesting how that's going to change. I'm I'm excited for most of the changes. I'm a little, just a little worried about the Arc Soul changes. I feel like that might be a little too strong. We'll see. Uh, but for the most part, Warlocks are, are pretty, pretty good. Um, I'm a little, I'm happy about the Icarus Dash changes, and I agree. I thought Icarus Dash never fit because at the same time that the new movement mechanic for Warlocks came out, they completely butchered Titan Skating and removed it. I don't know if you remember that, but the the rework that introduced Icarus Dash was the season after uh, Titan Skating had been removed. So I thought that was very ironic that they're like, yeah, we don't really want players going too fast. And then they introduce Icarus Dash uh, and then don't fix it for, for two years. Um, I also think that if this is their goal to kind of slow down like some of the really 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 fast movement which is good you know because we already move pretty fast we don't need to move any faster um yeah. i think that they really need to address the backris uh shatter dive tech that just came out because that is looking even stronger than uh top tree dawn blade movement mechanics then what also yeah. doesn't really make sense is how they literally start the post saying that they want to move towards a Destiny PvP that's less ability-centric, and then most of the changes in the entire TWAB are ability buffs. So it feels kind of confusing. Like, where's the direction we're actually going in? Like, we're, I, like I've noticed a lot of the ability... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say the goal seems to be one way and then the action is going in the opposite direction. I, I thought a lot of the changes were PvE related mainly um, outside of like some of like the passive super durations um, and the durations of things. A lot of it's more so like PvE related changes. Um, I don't know how, how much that's going to translate. Like a few of the things that I'm looking at, I don't think they're really going to affect. They look more so like quality of life ability changes more so than like, hey, we're uh, we're going to make Nova, you know, handheld supernova go back to 19 year range. You know, it's not stuff like that. It's stuff like, hey, we're going to increase the damage taken of Word of Dawn, stuff like that, or increase the detonation radius of Striker to make it more usable in general, crucible, and have less of a penalty for completely or like you know barely missing an opponent. Because um, I don't know if you remember, but not too long ago, they made it so that the Fist of Havoc has like a damage spread. So if you're not close enough, it doesn't kill you. Uh, so if they don't slam directly on you pretty much anymore in Crucible, uh, it's not a one hit kill against like supers or like. Uh, or even players sometimes. Meanwhile, stuff like Night Stalker, if you just use Spectral Blades and swipe heavy attack, it'll kill any super in the game at the moment. So I don't know. I think a lot of it's quality of life more so than trying to reintroduce abilities. I think this is to, because the weapon and armor changes are coming, I think this is to accommodate for weapons probably getting stronger than they already are and possibly um, armor getting a revamp as well, hopefully. I'd like to see them do maybe an adept armor system for armor and reintroduce a new armor mechanic system that'll make them even stronger because I think having insane stats is what makes an RPG an MMO and MMO an RPG. So. <laughs> We'll see. We'll definitely see. Points. Yeah. Um, so the next thing that you want to talk about is improving the power up stasis experience. Uh, with Beyond Light, Guardians received their first taste of wielding the powers of darkness, as well as a new way to power up subclasses with aspects and fragments. 
These subclass mods introduce a new way of evolving and growing a subclass, which drastically impacts how the stasis subclass felt. Guardians who use aspects and fragments experience the true power of stasis, whereas those who have not may feel a bit cold toward it. Even worse, many Guardians may not even know of the extended power offered by aspects and fragments, and we wanted to improve that. Starting in Season 15, our Darkness Guide on Europa, the Exo Stranger, will now reveal more information on how to complete the task required for earning more stasis power. Guardians who have finished the Beyond Light campaign and visit the Exo Stranger on Europa will see the entire path for unlocking aspects and fragments. Additionally, many of the pre-requirements for obtaining and completing the Boarding Darkness quest chain will be reduced or removed. Previously, Guardians needed to complete several quest ch chains and unlock Salvation's Grip before Stasis would grant them additional power. Guardians that complete the Beyond Light campaign will have immediate access to the Born in Darkness quest chain from the Exo Stranger on Europa. The Exo Stranger also reveals every unknown fra unknown fragment, regardless of the progression through the Born in Darkness questline, giving a preview of the many powers to unlock. With these improvements to messaging, aimed at removing a lot of the mystery around powering up stasis. We're excited to see more Guardians unlock stasis's chilling power. What do you guys think of that change? Eh, I think I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, how they need more of this mystery, not less of it. Yeah. I think it's good because it's... Because I didn't recently do the other classes' stasis lines. Like, I recently did it because it was such a pain the first time around that i really didn't want to do it again and i have friends that they haven't played for a season or two so they might not even have one subclass or one class done and then just making that system a whole lot easier uh i think it's a very good change I just think that the revealing of uh, all the artifacts you don't have unlocked is kind of bad. I think the next artifact would be cool, kind of seeing what's up, up and coming, knowing what you can get next would be cool, but not necessarily, like, what's after that. Yeah. Uh, the next thing they go on to talk about is the Gauntlet Cosmos. This year marks our seventh anniversary of the Gauntlet Top Tabletop Fundraiser. On Sunday, August 15th team bungee against 20 nados to raise funds for young women empowered ywe is a seattle area nonprofit whose mission is to cultivate the power of diverse young women to create be creative leaders and courageous change makers through transformative programs within a collaborative community of belonging your donations will help them fund ywe dream a program that helps to remove barriers for youth such as fixing the car that need to they need to get to school, buying books for their education, or helping them get a license to start their own business. Your donations will also embolden our team with power-ups that will help us win the tournament. Thanks to you, Team Bungie is the reigning champion. Head to the donations page listed here to commit your support on or before August 15th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. Anyone who donates $25 in a single donation to our team page will receive the Entre News emblem which will be distributed on Thursday, August 26th. Rules of the road. To be eligible for the emblem, donations must be made to this campaign between August 2nd and August 15th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. A unique redemption code will be emailed to you on Thursday, August 26th. One redemption code will be distributed per email for qualifying donations. Thank you in advance for helping us hold our title while supporting this amazing organization. Love the Bungie Foundation. 
So that's pretty cool. Another good, um, you know, support, uh, the way to support this, uh, this uh, effort. So, yeah. It's yeah, good. no, I think that's a great uh, initiative, just like so many that Bungie takes on. So it's uh, great to see that. Uh, so there is uh, the last section here. It's uh, from the player support team, Epic Log. Uh, they go on to uh, talk about some of the things that will be changing in the game uh, when it comes to crossplay, uh, crossplay names. After last week's announcement about crossplay and bungee names, we wanted to clarify a few things. The display name on the first platform that players log in when to play Destiny 2 beginning at 10 a.m. Pacific time on august 24th will become the player's bungee name platform id numbers non-standard characters and symbols will be removed and excluded if a name violates our code of conduct it will be changed to guardian name changes won't be available until a later update for steam players your steam profile name not your steam account name will become your bungee name bungee foundation campaign items players who donated to the bungee foundation's given campaign and didn't receive an email should check their spam junk fo- promotion folders for their email. If the email still can't be found, please fill out the missing Destiny 2 contest emblem form listed here. If players use their code, they can find the item in Master Rules inventory in the tower. Please be aware that we're currently investigating an issue where the Circadian Guard emblem is, isn't appearing in player collections. Don't worry, your emblem is still connected to your account, and you'll be able to retrieve it when we, fix, when we issue a fix in the future update. Claim your rewards. The following reset and become will be the following will reset and become unclaimable when Season of the Redacted launches on August 24th. Season 14 Bungie Rewards. Season 14 Seasonal Challenges. Vanguard tokens. Make sure to visit Commanders of All to turn them in. Valor rewards. Make, visit Lord Shacks to claim these items, including engrams. Infamy rewards. Visit the Drifter to claim these items, including engrams. Splicer Servitor engrams. Season 13 season pass items on our previous season season webpage listed here. Make sure to check each character. Some people may have to use the Destiny Companion mobile app to claim these rewards. And some known issues here. Uh, while we continue investigating various known issues, here's a list of the latest issues that reported to us in the help forum. Some players will still have Solstice fragments in their inventory. Logging out and back into the game should remove them. The Circadian Guard Emblem from Bungie Foundation Giving Campaign does not appear in the player collections when acquired. This will be fixed in a future update. And for a full list of emergent issues in Destiny 2, players can review our known issues article listed here. Players who observe other issues should report them to our hashtag help forum. Uh, We got some movies of the week here. Um, I think, what was it, Cosmo was asking for these, like, either today or yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, he needed something to add to the TWAB, so... Looks like we got one for a flawless sparrow run uh, in the vault of glass. So that's pretty cool. Wow. Um, and then uh, the other one is uh, My People Need Me from FPS Crystal. Uh, so congratulations to the winners uh, for your movies that you submitted. We got some art here. <laughs> Myth Rats. That's, that's, that's <laughs> pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Magnificent Armor. It's a pretty cool looking warlock. And uh, yeah, so we're, we've come to the end. Wow. That's, yeah. Yeah, we have one last thing, you're missing it. Uh, if you scroll down to the very bottom and you see it says that was a lot, there's a little comma there. And if there's a link attached, if you click on that, uh, it brings you to a picture. 
Yes, uh, it's a very, very special Wait. picture. Oh, dude! Oh, you're so I, oh on the comma? Yeah, dude. <laughs> That's uh, uh, awesome. It's a cat. It's a cat. <laughs> what does oh, that mean? God. In every <laughs> one, did you not know? In like nearly every TWAB Cosmo writes, there's always a hidden link of a cat somewhere on the TWAB. What? Okay, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't either. What? That's so <laughs> clever. Oh man, that's awesome. I had no idea. And I've read like every twab. Oh, is that in every one of Cosmos twabs? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. In, oh my God. And I think okay. some of these as well, but I've seen some that don't have it. I'm gonna have to go back and bug him. But Guardians, you know, what a what a twab. What a amazing discussion. Thank you all so so much for joining us tonight on the Destiny Show podcast. We do have a tradition on the show where we get to rate the weekly update in the form of spicy tuna rolls, because that's how we roll between one and five, five being that's the best spicy tuna you will ever have. And one being try again or else I'm going to get sick. Uh, How would you both rate the Bungie weekly update from one to five? Bowie, do you want to kick things off? I would say it's a good, it's a solid three out of uh, three and a half out of five. I can't fully diss it. I think a lot of the changes were good. I think we're, I think a lot of people, are, including myself, are just skeptical about those those slide changes that are up and coming, the uh, the slide and the barrier change. But well, I think I'm a strong believer in seeing how it plays out first. Uh, I do have strong opinions on how I think it'll play out, but I don't know for sure. So we'll see. We'll definitely see. I'm excited I think to see for it. talking pure spice, I'd give it a four. If we're talking the quality of the changes, I'd probably give it maybe 4.2. I think the I think the, the crucible will probably be a little bit better. Or, no, the Crucible will be a little bit worse, I think, but PvE, I think, will be a lot better with the changes yeah. that are coming. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And, Colin, what do you think? One of five spicy tuna rolls, what would you say? Uh, 4.2. Oh, 4.2. Wow. I don't think we've ever had a 4.2 before. Okay. And why? Uh, I think the Crucible will be a little bit worse, but the PV- PVE will be a lot better. Nothing can be as worse as uh, when Beyond Light came out. <laughs> like, oh, man. Crucible. <laughs> oh, my God. When yeah. we first stasis. Oh, I remember that. That was a rough time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what would you say, Shadow Price? One to five spicy tuna rolls. For this week's Bungie uh, weekly update. I'm going to also go with the three and a half. Uh, okay. That's that's what I was thinking exactly. Um, lots of good stuff in here. Um, you know, I guess I would have just, I would have liked to see them like add like, didn't they say they were going to try to, you know, I, I know they were trying to touch on some of these subclasses, but it would have been cool to give some fragments to like some of the light place subclasses and things like that. Um now, I don't know if that's what they're doing here with these changes or anything, but you know how stasis is so 
strong with the aspects and fragments. It would have been cool to give them to some of the light blaze subclasses too. Like, because I thought that's what they were going to do, but maybe I misread that. Um, you know, it's abilities. It's not weapons or anything like that. I'm going to be more interested when the weapons uh, changes come. So, yeah, it's a lot here. I'm a little tired after reading it. Three and a half. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to be a little bit more generous because Shadow Price is back to dive into the weekly update, so I did not have to. So... <laughs> I will give it a four out of five spicy tuna rolls from Cornholio because Shadow Price is back and we had a pretty big update. I will give them credit for that. Joe Blackburn broke the silence about the Crucible. We finally know that there is a plan for the future. There is hope. So that's great. And, you know, we did learn season 16 no season 15 will be coming on august 24th so i really like that uh we do have a lot to be excited for with season 15 we had an amazing group of guests on the podcast tonight i, I can't give it less than four can't do it so um i will give it a four out of five spicy tuna rolls for corn holio and guardians man we have come to that time what a awesome episode thank you all for joining us tonight before we let y'all go uh where can the guardians learn more about you all bowie do you want to kick things off where can we learn more about you and what you do sure so i uh i'm pretty active on twitch i stream a decent amount i stream on the weekends i i work a nine to five on <laughs> on the weekdays so the weekends are where I'm at are very late night weekdays. I also have about um, 200 gigabytes of videos stored up and clips stored up for YouTube content that I need to get around to editing. Uh, so expect to see me there too. I have hot takes on Twitter. Um, all of my handles are Bowie Bowman. So if you just search that up anywhere, I'll pop up. Um, so yeah, just very cool. Very cool. Interact Did you say 200 hours? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so oh, 200 gigabytes of like raw footage um okay. just 200 gigabytes so how many hours does that make oh, that's up that's that's um, a lot of hours that might be more than 200 hours yeah wow. it's a lot it's, it's 200 gigabytes of just like five minute clips um and they're all just kind of like spread across my hard drives because like when i fill one up i just go to the next one and i don't think about it and you um, haven't put it up and you haven't put any of them no. up and oh, then a few of them are like, are like sniper, lights outs, chaperone clips, um, trials clips. It's, it's pretty interesting stuff. So stay tuned. Wow. Well, we will definitely be looking out for that. And uh, that's that's awesome. Uh, get them out because we want more videos. We need more content. And Colin, a.k.a. Legionless, where can we learn more about you and what you do? Yeah, so I put a couple videos up each week on YouTube. You can just search for Legionless. Uh, should be the first one that comes up, 6 point whatever K subscribers. And then uh, super active, probably too active on Twitter at Legionless TV. Very cool. That's That's awesome. And Shadow Price, where can we learn more about you and what you do? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ShadowPrice79 and also back on the Destiny Show podcast. 
every Thursday night. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you back, my friend. And uh, it has been an amazing, amazing evening. Thank you all for joining us live on the Destiny Show podcast. You can find the Destiny Show podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, every major platform that you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on the web at destinyshow.com. You can find us on the Twitter at The Destiny Show. You can find us on Instagram at Destiny Show POD. And you can join our Discord at The Destiny Community. Dot com. And you can find me at Boris, the SEO, on Twitter. And Guardians, thank you so, so much for joining us tonight on the Destiny Show podcast. It has been a blast. Shout outs to our awesome mod, Justin McCarthy. Thank you so, so much for being here with us tonight. We appreciate you. Thank you to our guests who are on the show, Bowie and Colin. Uh, and thank you all for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you all. And we hope you have an awesome evening and we can't wait to see you all next week. Good night, everyone.